0: This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk.
1: What your money philosophy is is what you feel that money does for you in your life. So everybody's going to be a little bit different with their money philosophy, but we're going to kind of dig into it today, give you some guidelines for how to figure that out, and then how that translates to taking care of your money once you know what your money philosophy is. So today I have with me Certified Financial Planner Kelsey Banke from our office. Hi, Kelsey. Hi, Mary. How are you doing this morning? Oh, pretty good. Well, good. Awesome. So we're going to talk about money philosophy because this is really meaningful, to us, especially in with what we do with people. But you know, money philosophy is something that impacts every single person that's listening to what we're talking about right now. Because absolutely money has a monetary value, no doubt about it. But it also has a life value. And what that means to me is that money funds the things that matter to us in our life. And what's so cool about money philosophy is that Everybody's is different because what people value in their life is unique to them. So that's what we're gonna talk about today. So Kelsey, I know that you've heard me talk about my money philosophy many, many times for the years that you've worked there, <laughs> but how has your money philosophy shape, shaped and shifted? Like what was it before you came to work as a financial planner and then what? how has that shifted over time?
2: Uh, I would say my money philosophy's shifted just a little bit um, in probably that it's become more defined okay. since I've worked here. Uh, before and in, in the early parts of my time with Stark Financial, I I always viewed money as, you know, I had to go to work and I had to spend time away from my family so that I had money to do fun things with my family when I went home or to do the things that I wanted when I when I left. So that was like your pay to play kind of thing you exactly. had to go earn
1: it so that you could have fun and exactly. enjoy your
2: life yeah and not mm-hmm. that I, I don't enjoy work because I, I love what I do but um you know I, I love being with my family <laughs> more <laughs> Good. so uh it, it just I think has become more defined in that my long-term view of money has changed so um I think everybody realizes that you, you have to work to make money and Hopefully everybody gets to work doing something that they love. Um, but my vision of what my retirement and what my um, future years look like has changed. Just knowing that if I do things right now, I will have a lot more choices down the road. Even a choice of, of retiring maybe significantly earlier than what I had originally thought. You know, when you're, you're young and you're growing up, you think, oh, everybody just retires when they get old. <laughs> <laughs> but I've actually been able to be more... Specific with that time of when I think I want to retire and how I want to do it differently than I, I thought maybe before I started here. So,
1: well, that's a great, you know, answer, Kelsey, because everybody has a money philosophy and that's going to shift and change over your life. And in your money philosophy, absolutely impacts your retirement decisions. And we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Um, But I do want to share with people how I developed my money philosophy. And my money philosophy is super simple. It boils down to three words. Money buys choices. And I I can tell you that um, that's my entire money philosophy in a nutshell. But I want to explain to you how I came to that and what that really means to me. So by the time I was 19 years old, I was already a divorced single mother of two kids under two years old. And we lived in a low-rent apartment unit. We bought our groceries with food stamps. um, And I didn't get any child support. So I desperately had to try to make ends meet with my minimum wage job and the welfare check that I was able to get. I'm super thankful for those benefits being there for me. I'm super thankful and grateful that there were programs available for somebody who was having a hard time in my life. But what I did do was make a decision that I did not want to be a statistic. I did not want to be someone that just because I was a young single parent was always going to be um, a taker from the economy, a taker of benefits instead of someone who could give back. And I didn't want to let the fact that I had been a pregnant teenager dictate the rest of my life. That was not what I wanted to teach my kids. And it wasn't what I wanted our lives to look like and shape like going forward. So I kind of looked around me and realized that a lot of people had been in the situation they'd been in for years. And it's a tough hole to drag yourself out of. So I knew that in order to get myself out of that situation, I had to learn how money worked. And so I went to school. I went to night school, I went to correspondence school, I, I studied finance, I got my CFP, my certified financial designation, and along the way I shaped a money philosophy that to me is really the core of why we do financial planning the way that we do it today. And the, the money philosophy is this, that when you don't have very much money, your choices are very limited in what to do. You know, when you don't have a lot of money, it impacts where you can choose to live, how you can choose to live. If you don't have money, it impacts what kind of car you can buy, if you can fix your car, if you can use that car to get to a job that's going to make you money. So so when you have limited money, your choices in life seem to me to be much more limited. But when you have money, and money is a little bit more ease in your life, then you can use that money to fund the things that matter to you. So the more money you have, the more choices you have of how you want to deploy that money. So that's why my money philosophy is money buys you choices. And so what I think is really, really critical for people to do is to spend some time thinking about what matters most to them and are they aligning the money that they have with the life that they want to lead. Now, when it comes to retirement planning, that's what we're really, really good at is helping people look out ahead and figure out, hey, what are the things that you want to spend time doing in retirement? What does matter to you? And then we're really good at helping you align the money you have with that life that you want to lead. And that ultimately is how you use your money philosophy to create a positive financial impact in your life. So... um You know, I I think that if you take nothing away from this, you can say that, you know, aligning your money with the people, the experiences and the things that matter, what you value in this life is really what a good money philosophy is all about.
2: Yeah, I think it's this is when it gets really fun in the financial planning, because like I said before. You just have retirement's just this big thing in the future. And some people maybe put a little more thought, oh, I want to travel or I want to, um, fish or golf or whatever. But when you start really getting down into the specifics of no, seriously, what do you want to spend your time doing in retirement? Like get, get real with me. How long do you think you're going to travel? When do you think you're going to retire? Do you think you'll work a little bit after you? I mean, there's a lot of, uh, questions we can ask that can help you dial in really, um, specifically how you feel about what you're going to do in retirement that help us then understand your money philosophy and what you want it what you know what's important to set aside money for and and that is really exciting and really fun when you start getting really specific about how you're going to spend your time. So here's the thing. There's a few questions that
1: I've learned really help people figure out what their money philosophy is. And then that translates to how you want to spend your time. And then that translates to how you want to align your money with your time. So let's, let's ask them. <laughs> so the first question that I think is a really good question for people to develop their money philosophy is this. If you had all the money that you would ever need or want, what would you spend time doing? So what's your answer, Kelsey? Kelsey?
2: I love the Midwest where I've grown up and spent most of my life. I absolutely love it. (laughs) (laughs) But I love traveling and meeting new people and experiencing new cultures. And, uh, you know, my husband and I, when we travel, we want to eat the local food. We want to talk to the local people. We want (laughs) to see what their music's like. Um, So we, we are not just hitting the touristy spots everywhere. We like to really dive into just even in the U.S., every. Region of the US has a different flair to it. So that's, I would spend a lot of time traveling, but I would always come home. So
1: I love it. (laughs) I like that, too. I think having a base makes you feel grounded. Mm -hmm. So, okay, so from a money philosophy type, I guess, point of view, to me, that would mean that you want to have enough money to be able to afford a comfortable place to come home to. That's your home base that you're grounded. But you want to have enough flexibility in your budget to include traveling, Mm -hmm. whether it's international trips, whether it's a big trip every couple of years or little trips three or four times a year. And but that's what's important for you to spend your time on. So if I w- if I had all of the money I ever needed or wanted, I think that I would um, spend a lot more time in the art world. like I would spend more time painting, I would take classes, I would travel to take classes, I would try to go learn from you know crazy good painters that were expensive to learn from.) <laughs> <laughs> I would buy more expensive paintbrushes. <laughs> but to me, I think the creativity would would come out even more. And so what that tells me about my own money philosophy is that, you know, I want to include money in my um, planning to be able to ha- have space in my living quarters that is an art studio. I want to have space for art lessons or money for art lessons. I want to have money for art supplies. I want to have money to travel to go, you know, learn and pay tuitions for things where I can expand my creativity and my learning with that. So again, that's just how you you can use these questions to inform you what your money philosophy is and then align your money in your life with the things that really matter to you.
2: This is always such a fun question to ask customers and clients because no two people answer it the same. No, they really don't. It's so fun. I love this. I love this one because I've heard, Everything. You name it, we've heard it. It's so interesting to see what people want to do. Some people have a, a hobby that they really want to go nuts with in retirement. Others want to travel. Others have you know other things they want to do. And it's, it's such a fun question. I think the other thing, too,
1: that I hear frequently in answer to this question is somebody wants to start something new. They want Mm -hmm. to start their own new company. They want to start a charity. They want to start something that gives back to the world or creates inspiration in the world. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that this one question really opens people's minds without judgment or logistics of how to make it happen of what really matters most to them. And that's the, the, the single most important question you can ask to develop your money philosophy.
0: Congratulations to Mary Stirk and the team at Stirk Financial for earning a spot on two Forbes lists for six years running, including 2023 Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisors and 2023 Forbes Top Women Wealth Advisors Best in State, number one in
2: South Dakota.
1: So Kelsey, what about you? What legacy, if any, would you like to leave in this world?
2: Probably my my obviously biggest legacy is my son. And I I always, I say a prayer every night for him that he learns to be a kind, compassionate person that impacts the world in a positive way. But in addition to that, I'd like to think that, I I don't think I have a monetary legacy I want to leave. I don't have any desire to have any buildings named after me or anything like that. Um, But I do like helping people, give them chances. So people who've maybe fallen on hard luck and just need one person to believe in them and give them a break to help turn their life around. So I'd like to figure out a way to make that part of my legacy, whether it's through some kind of charity or, um, you know, program or something. I'm I'm not sure exactly how that would happen, but I, I really like, I don't, just in your situation, you don't have to be down and out of luck forever but you might just need that one Mm -hmm. opportunity to to flip it and turn it around and to to make things wonderful for you so
1: yeah and I, I think that's really great that you say that because there are so many ways to leave an impact on the world like you said through raising your children to be um good thriving citizens, you know, and carrying that forward for you to leaving a financial impact for somebody. And there are some really wonderful ways to um, give to the future you know, without necessarily impacting your presence. So there's there's great ways to, in your estate planning, be able to leave money to charities, to leave money to the companies that matter to you, um, whether or not your name goes on the side of a building or if there's an endowment fund that has your name on it or maybe you're just providing scholarships for students to get an education and you leave some money for that. One of the most effective campaigns that I've ever seen is um a campaign that we did for Western Iowa Tech here in town. I was the foundation board president, and we did something called the 5% for Education campaign where people made Western Iowa Tech scholarship fund a 5% beneficiary of their retirement account. So whatever was left when they die of their retirement account, 5% of that would go to scholarships for needy students. And I thought that was such a great way to do it simply because the... Um, it doesn't hurt you now. It doesn't take away of anything now. And it's not like you're being asked to give a current gift. Plus, it doesn't cost you anything to fill out a beneficiary form. (laughs) You know, sometimes it get costly to redo your wills or your estate planning. But to make something a small percentage beneficiary on an account like that is a great way to include somebody for whatever happens to be left. You know, if you live too long and you spend all your money, well, then there's nothing left for them, but, you know, good that you had a great life that was a lot of fun. But if you if something happens and you, you die too soon, then you've at least left a financial mark for people in in an area that's meaningful for you. So I think that's awesome. For me, the legacy that I want to leave is I want to have inspired people towards their better futures to the fullest degree that I can. And um, so I think that I do that within my job within working with clients, I think that helping people align the money they have with the life they want to live is helping them towards their best future. And I also want to create a mark of beauty in this world. So the art that I make, um, I I guess, is like a legacy of beauty that hopefully brightens someone's day when they look at it. And then Kelsey, like you, I have goals with some financial impact that I want to make on the charities that are the most important to me. And above all, I want to make sure that my family, my, my children, my grandchild is somebody that is a good citizen and is adding value to this world for everybody. So, all right. So the thing about this legacy question is that it also does inform your money philosophy. So, you know, if you said that you want to make showing your children and grandchildren that spending time with family really matters, then that means you want to include money in your plan, to visit your family. Especially if they don't (laughs) Sounds obvious, but... (laughs) Yeah, it sounds obvious, but people don't think about, oh, yeah, okay, well, that's how I connect what matters to me with this whole, you know, money philosophy or with how to actually plan for it, how to align my money for things. Um, You know, if you say that your legacy is to leave your wisdom for generations to come by writing your memoirs, then maybe you want to set aside money to self-publish a book, you know? Or if you say that... Um, education really matters, that that educating your family matters, and maybe you want to set aside money in your plan for educating your grandchildren or your great-grandchildren. And when you do that, it means isolating a specific chunk of money that you do have to provide for these things. So both of these questions that we've asked so far really kind of assess people's emotional readiness to connect in with their money philosophy. You know, are you emotionally ready to take that next step towards buying a property? Are you emotionally ready to take that next step towards retirement or or do, you know, change jobs or things like that? But when you're making any kind of major life decisions, I think it's really important to make sure you're looking at your money philosophy and that you're aligning the money that you do have with that life that you want to live. So, okay. The last question that I think helps people figure out their money philosophy is this. What was money like for you growing up? So Kelsey, how about you? What was money like for you when you were growing up?
2: You know, I, Mary said earlier, I'm a farm girl, grew up on a farm. And <laughs> I very clearly remember the farm crisis of the 80s. And Oh, I'm sure
1: that made an indelible mark.
2: Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I never realized that money was tight. But my mom talks about it all the time now, you know, not feeling like she had enough money to pay the bills and things like that. And not because they weren't working hard, not because they'd made bad decisions, but just the the prices and the economy wasn't there to support this lifestyle. I, I mean, I come from two century farms. I got mm-hmm. one on my mom's side, one on my dad's side. So farming is everything we know and do. And that was tough. And they had four young children to raise. Um, And they didn't want us to not have a good childhood for that. So I didn't really realize it, but I I came to find that out um, as as I got older that that was tough. And so anyway, that I just money never has been super easy to come by. But we always made time and the money for the things that were important. So we didn't take vacations all the time, but we (laughs) I remember the ones we did take because we did. We did still make time for that. So sure.
1: So, for me, money was grown. When I was growing up, money was tight too. My mom was a stay at home mom. Um, She actually was, uh, uh, she had her master's degree and was a professor. And then when she had children, she decided to stay home. And then my dad was also a professor. Um, He has his PhD in economics and um, was a college professor. But we also had four kids in my family. So, four kids on one salary was not an easy thing to do. Now, I'll tell you, my mom was masterful at making ends meet. Um she was the queen of figuring out fun free things to go do.
2: I think it's a stay at home mom quality that I, they have I to be able to it do might that be.
1: yeah, exactly, but she also was like the queen of recycling before her time, so like. <laughs> I hated this when I was little, but now I look back and think, oh, that was genius. She would take my brother's corduroy pants that were brown, and when he outgrew them, and she would sew on some goofy little flower patch onto the legs to make them look like girls' pants, and then those were my pants. (laughs) (laughs) And now they look like girl pants instead of being hand-me-down boy pants. You know, and it might have cost 22 cents for some pretty material to make them look like flowers, but I love that my mom was conscious of the fact that I would want something girly instead of just hand-me-downs for my older brother. And I love the fact that she was so thrifty, you know, that she was able to think of things like that to do. So money was was tight for us too. Um, you know, like I remember that I think I got a quarter of a week for my allowance and that allowance was tied to chores. <laughs>
2: My first loan was at the age of five, when I got my first bike that didn't have training wheels. And um, $25 of it was my birthday present. But the rest of it, up to the value of the bike, I had to work off a quarter at a time.
1: I love it. I love it. (laughs) So the thing, the reason that I think that this is a great thing to talk about is because the way you feel about how money was when you were growing up is oftentimes how you feel about money today. You know, if money was tight, it's hard to feel safe about money. If money was easy, most people are a little more risky with their money. And then that informs your money philosophy, too. So the best advice that I can give you is this. um, Think about these questions and develop your own money philosophy. Now, the money philosophy is the very first chapter of the new book that I wrote called Ready to Pull the Retirement Trigger. The first chapter takes you all through this money philosophy. And the first five callers today who call in, we will give you a free digital copy of that book. So give us a call, 605-217-355. And the... um, First 5 callers will get a digital copy of Ready to Pull the Retirement Trigger and helps you figure out your own money philosophy. Thanks for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stirk.
0: The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results no strategy can ensure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated. Member FINRA SIPC.